Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. My name is Pascal Gagneux. I'm the Associate Director of CARTA, and it is my pleasure to welcome you all today for this public CARTA Symposium on Early Hominids. We're very fortunate to have a cast of eminent researchers from four different continents, and I'd like to thank all the speakers for traveling very far, in some cases, to uh, make this conference possible. And with no further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Fred Gage from the Salk Institute, Carter co-director. Thank you, Pascal, and I'd like to add my welcome to, to you all. So CARTA, actually, is um, the Center for Academic Research and Training in Anthropogeny. So what's anthropogeny? Uh, the most recent definition of the term <coughs> from the Oxford English Dictionary is investigation of the origin of humans. However, as early as 1839 in the Hopper uh, Medical uh, District, the study it was defined as the study of uh, the generation of man. So we have a mission statement uh, for this uh, organization, and it is to use all rational and ethical approaches to seek all verifiable facts from all relevant disciplines to explore and explain the origins of the human phenomenon. An important caveat here is while we minimize the complex organizational structures and hierarchies that often infest these kinds of in, uh, organizations and avoid any under, unnecessary, unnecessary paperwork and bureaucracy, the hope is to get to the science and get the discussions uh, out front. This would not be possible without our, our major sponsors who've, uh, with great foresight, uh, sponsored this organization, uh, the graduate, school, graduate program that surrounds it, as well as these conferences. And the first one is the uh, G. Harold and Leah Mathers Charitable Foundation based in New York. And secondarily, but not least, Annette Merrill-Smith uh, is very much appreciated for her continued support of this effort. These individuals are, are foresight, foresighted and, and extremely important for us. Thank you all for coming, and now it's my wonderful privilege to introduce Michelle Brunet from Portier. So, When I begin to look for early hominid, the situation was very clear. Early hominid was known in South Africa and in East Africa, and it's whole. And when I decide to go west of the rift, I was a young boy at this time, 25 years ago. I'm still a young boy. <laughs> you don't believe? So, okay, we shall speak at the end. Every people say, Brunet, you are crazy. There is no fossil west of the rift. So, 
we can try. I go to Cameroon first because there is a war in Chad. There is very often a war in Chad. And in 1994, the war stopped and I go to Chad. It means 16 years ago. And now in Chad, we have 500 localities and more than 20,000 fossils. But it's not the end of a story that I'm telling you today. It's just the beginning, just the beginning. We are very lucky. We are working in a very, very nice desert, Juhab Desert. Here, you see? Of course, you need a lot of jeep. Gemini is here, Lake Chad, and we are working here, south of Tibesti. Lake Chad at this time is 5,000 square kilometers. 5,000 years, Lake Chad was 400,000 square kilometers. It was mega like shade. And with my team, we show that you have a succession of wet and dry period at least, at least during the last eight million. All the sites you see, in green in the Lake Chad Basin, and in black here is the shore of the last mega Lake Chad. The actual Lake Chad, and we are digging in this part. You have here, Aeolian, Perilacustrine, and Lacustrine fasciers, and it's cyclic. You see our work? Chad is a very nice place for geologists. All is flat. Tectonic is very quiet. <laughs> it's the only thing which is quiet in Chad. <laughs> and of course, our geologists are very happy because if you want to make an outcrops, you have to do it. Nice work. Nice job. We have a lot of fossil. This one is a very interesting one. This one is an atracoterid, extinct mammal. It's the sister group of hippopotamid, amphibious mammal, big one, big like hippopotamus. Which is very interesting is that with Tumai in Chad, we have the same species of anthracoterid that you have in Libya, 
in the seat basin. It means that you have the same bioprovence at this time between Libya and Chad. It means that Tumai can go to Libya or can go from Libya to Chad. And you have no antarctic east of the rift. East of the rift, it's another bioprovence. We have fossil with water, fish, croc, birds. We have amphibious fossil, forest, colobin, some cousin of elephant, dinotherium, in forest too. And we have equid, hipparion, antelope, lepus, in savanna. It means that we have mosaic landscape. Probably something which is very close to the actual Okavango Delta. So it means that probably Tumai was living in such a landscape, and in this landscape, he was probably living in a forest part. In Chad, we have fossils from 3 million to 7 million. The first hominid we found is an Australopithecine, which is dated around 3.5 million. It is known by a large and some other teeth which has not published at the moment. So, first thing, remember, Pre-human are just known, South Africa, East Africa. Now, you have Australopithecine in Central Africa. It's a little bit different. Tumai. Tumai is older. We have Two datation for Tumai, biostratigraphic datation by the evolutive degree of the mammalian assemblage with Tumai, which give us something around seven. And we have, with the cosmonucleate beryllium 10, the same datation above Tumai 683, behind 7.12. It's around 7 million. We have Laura Joe, and you can see, just Tim told you about the feminized canine. You have a lower canine here, very small one. 
The cranium was a little bit crushed. You imagine if you have your cranium doing seven million in sediment. It's a long time. So we make deconstruction, reconstruction, as you can see on this. And you have here the 3D reconstruction. This one, you have the cast here. You have the virtual high image on the screen, and you have the cast here. Okay? I put it here. It's not virtual. You can touch it. Biped or not biped? It's clear. Just like Hardipithecus, the basic cranium is shortened, and the foramen occipital is forward, as you can see on this picture. When you have a cranium like that, you can reconstruct. We do that with an artist in Paris. Why he has, why he opened his mouth? Because we are very often discussing together. Ah, why not? <laughs> we are friends. He's not lucky because I'm in San Diego. He's still in Poitiers. So I think that you are looking for the moment at the earliest hominid known face. And I think that it's probably like that. It means that if Tumai did some bad thing in the university here, if you have this picture, you can catch it. And now, what we know. Look, that I call late Miocene hominid. Late Miocene hominid is just a synonym that of my friend Tim called Adipithecus. I'm right? Yeah. No, because I checked my English. I don't understand whole. So, let my Ocean hominid, what you have? You have two east of the rift. One in Ethiopia, one in Kenya. All are around six million. And they are very close in terms of geography. And remember, they belong to the same bioprovence. East of the rift, a little bit older, probably 
one million holder, we have another one, to my, in Chad. I think that it's just the beginning of something, just. Because, of course, look at this map. Here, you have the beginning of a new story, surely. We are still digging. We are, I'm digging in Libya. I'm digging in Egypt. I just come back from Cameroon. So, when you invite me in 20 years, I am still young. <laughs> I shall have a lot of new things to show you. So, which is very interesting is that the repartition is completely different, as you can see. All these results are published in uh, international peer review magazine, as you can see. It's just a summary, Panid and Harmony, two sister group. We need more, as Tim said, but for this time, we have some idea about already a lot of things. Thanks. <laughs> nice picture, no? Now going to introduce my colleague Johannes Haile Selassie. Johannes is from the Cleveland Museum of Natural History. He'll be talking about the earliest hominids from Ethiopia. This is something you don't want to miss. Watch for the name Johannes Haile Selassie. He has new sites, new fossils. He's going to challenge Brunei. Good afternoon. Today I'm going to talk about <clears throat> the earliest hominids from Ethiopia. Um, when I got this title, I was thinking about how do I determine the earliest hominids when we have more than 20 species of early human ancestors. So I'm going to talk about <clears throat> those that were found in Ethiopia only. Now, as I said, there are about 22 early human ancestor species that are known in the fossil record. And when it comes to our evolutionary history, Ethiopia is usually dubbed as the cradle of humankind. Now, why is that? And I'm showing you here um, a phylogenetic, sort of a phylogenetic tree of the human family tree. And when you look at how many of these taxa have been found from Ethiopia, there are about 11 of them that, was, that were found from Ethiopia. So that tells you why Ethiopia is usually dubbed as the cradle of humankind. It has some of the earliest hominids that are, I'm going to talk about today, and also some of the younger hominids that, as, you, as you see from this uh, slide. So the question is, why do we have this many hominid fossils from Ethiopia? 
And Dr. White uh, explained a little bit about this. Uh, Ethiopia is a country uh, located in the uh, Horn of Africa, as you can see here. And geographically, it's situated in an area where three different plates of the earth are moving apart from each other and creating this huge rift valley. And this rift valley has been expanding, and it is still expanding because of tectonics. And it has luckily exposed about six million years of our evolutionary history. And that's why people have been going to this place for the last four decades and looking for some of the remains of our earliest ancestors. When you look at the distribution of this hominids that I mentioned earlier, they're mostly located within the Afar triple, uh, the rifts uh, area, as you can see here, and some of them extend to the main Ethiopian rift and also to southern Ethiopia. So here is the secret behind why Ethiopia is really the cradle of humankind. Now, the earliest hominids I would usually call are the ones that are older than uh, three million years. And these include uh, Ardipithecus cadaba, Ardipithecus ramidus, which Dr. White also mentioned, Australopithecus anamensis from slightly younger deposits, and Australopithecus afarensis, which is the species to which the famous Lucy belongs to. But obviously, I'm going to talk about the first, uh, the earliest two early human ancestors, Ardipithecus cadaba and Ardipithecus ramidus. <clears throat> now, the big question is, we know that our family is hominidae, but we ask ourselves, what kind of species should be included into our family? There has to be specific characters that refer to this family hominidae. And basically, there are two major characters that define the family hominidae. One of them is being bipedal, walking on two legs. We're the only mammals who are habitual bipeds. And the second character has to do with the teeth. Hominids do not have the canine honing function like apes. So we don't hone our upper canines by rubbing it against the lower premolar, which apes do. We have changed our social structure that we didn't need that honing function anymore. So those are the two characters that usually define the family hominid. So by using this character, you have early human remains from 5.8 million years ago. And when they were found, they were 1.4 million years older than the oldest known at that time, Ardipithecus ramidus. So you have to be really careful in terms of recognizing this as belonging to the family hominidae. So we had to look for the specific characters that enable us to include them into the family uh, hominidae. So this is what we had to look for. But obviously, uh, Dr. White showed you that the earliest hominids fossils could actually be fit into a shoebox, which is true. Most of the specimens that we had when we named Ardipithecus cadaba in 2001 were 17 specimens, mostly isolated teeth. But of course, based on these remains, we tried to look at what characters distinguish this early hominid from the other known uh, taxa of early hominids so that we don't make mistakes in terms of recognizing a new species when it actually belongs to something that was already uh, named. So we had to look for specific characters in this, in this uh, early hominid species. Uh, it's very limited in terms of its uh, geographic uh, distribution. Uh, most of them come from the uh, western margin of the uh, Middle Oistadi area. This is the rift margin, the western rift margin of uh, the Afar Rift. 
and we found most of the specimens right along the rift age right here. But we also had one specimen from slightly younger deposits at 5.2 million years from uh, Amba East. These are between 5.5 and 5.8. That was the youngest specimen we had actually included into the Ardipithecus cadaba hypodime at that time. But we also have some Ardipithecus cadaba remains from farther north um, at a place called Gona, which my colleague Dr. Sama will talk about a little later. So as you can see, um, what we had was mostly isolated teeth with some postcranial elements, as you can see here, some uh, arm bones, uh, including the toe bone that I mentioned from uh, the younger deposit. So based on this, what we tried to do was to look at the major characters that we could pick up from this dental and postcranial elements and see if it actually belongs to the family hominidae. But of course, we're talking about the earliest hominid, and obviously it's going to have a lot of primitive characters that are probably closer to the common ancestors that we shared with chimpanzees. So the one thing we, we looked at, because we had an upper canine of Ardipithecus cadapa, was the morphology of this tooth, because it has a, a honing function in, in the apes, and we wanted to look at whether it had honing function or not. But the first thing is, we, we see that this, this canine is really primitive. And also the lower third premolar looks very primitive. So that's something that distinguishes it, distinguishes it from the known earliest hominid at that time, which is Ardipithecus ramidus at 4.4. We also tried to look at, see if Ardipithecus cadaba had a honing function, as in chimpanzees. This is a female chimpanzee that you see here, and this is a composite of Ardipithecus cadaba uh, teeth. And what we realized is that it is really primitive, but not like an ape. It was not really, we can't really say for sure if it were, if it were honing, if it was honing its upper canine by rubbing it against the lower P3. But interestingly enough, the lower P3 had a little facet on the side which indicates that it was actually overlapping with the upper canine. But we can't really be sure whether it was a function, there was a functional honing mechanism in Ardipithecus cadaba or not because the lower canines tell us a different story in terms of their morphology. So obviously that could be simply a relict of what they got from the common ancestor we shared with chimpanzees. The other element from the younger deposits that we included into Ardipithecus cadaba was this toe bone. And this is the toe bone that we used to infer bipedality in Ardipithecus cadaba. Now, after we looked at Ardipithecus raminus, particularly Ardi, we had to reconsider our conclusions from the first one, and now what we're saying is that habitual bipedality, since we didn't even see it in Ardipithecus ramidus, remains to be ascertained by further discoveries, and we're still looking for more um, discoveries in this part of uh, the Middle Awash. So that's about what I have to say about Ardipithecus cadaba. The next oldest is Ardipithecus ramidus. Now, um, Ardipithecus ramidus uh, is a species that's been known uh, from the deposits, about 4.4 million year old deposits from the Middle Awash, and it's also known from further to the north from uh, a site called uh, Gona, and I'm sure Dr. Sama will mention that. But this is where Ardipithecus was uh, initially found. Uh, the first specimen, as Dr. White mentioned, was found in 1992. Uh, but in 1993, there was another uh, important specimen uh, found from Aramis, which is this uh, child's jaw that you see here, which had the milk molar. 
Now, this milk molar had to say a lot about its morphology and which way it's related to. Obviously, it's not like entirely ape-like, but it's not also like hominid, hominid-like, like later hominids. So it was intermediate between apes and uh, hominids, and it shows how primitive it is, and it warranted its distinction from uh, other species of Australopithecus. So the first piece of RD, which is um, the most critical specimen in the RD, uh, Ardipithecus hypodyne, was found, the first piece was found in 1994, three years of excavation, 17 years of curation, preparation, and analysis resulted in the uh, 11 paper publications in science that Dr. White mentioned earlier. But it's very interesting because we learned a lot from this partial skeleton um, in terms of its morphological features. Now, I want to mention some of the highlight points of RD um, in relation to uh, what we know of the uh, later hominids. Now, when you look at the cranium of um, RD, which I'm sure Dr. Asfa will talk more about later, uh, it had small brain. Um, its face was not as projecting as in chimpanzees and probably comparable to uh, Tumai, which Dr. Brunet uh, showed us and which is right here. Um, in other aspects, the canine of RD is not like a chimpanzee. It's large it had large canines, but it's not like um, in chimpanzees. The crowns of the, uh, their teeth were shorter. And um, there was no sexual dimorphism between males and females as much as we see in uh, chimpanzees. So those are like derived characters that put them into the family hominidae. And moreover, we don't see any functional CP3 honing complex. Ardipithecus was not honing its upper canine like apes do. So that differentiates it from apes and puts it into the hominid uh, family. So based on what we learned from its teeth uh, and the overall morphology and size, uh, it was not a specialized, it didn't have a specialized diet. It was more of a general omnivore and frugivore. So this is what we learned from RD's teeth. We also had, luckily, uh, complete hands of RD. And what we learned from the hand elements is that it had a very flexible palm. It was not or wrist, it was not as rigid as the knuckle walker cousins like chimpanzees and um, gorillas. And we don't also see any uh, characters of suspension or vertical climbing in these hands, so it was more um, adapted to um, uh, palmigrade clambering, uh, and we don't see any sign of knuckle walking in this in this uh, hand. So these are very important specimens that you will see, as you will see later. The other element which is very critical in, in terms of um, inferring its um, locomotion is the hip bone. Now you saw um, a slide uh, from Dr. Dwight's uh, talk of the pelvis which was crushed and it had to be reconstructed, but there were very critical features on the pelvis that were not distorted, which actually tells us about its locomotory behavior. Now, as you know, the pelvis or the hip bone is not just you know, an obstetric organ, it's also a locomotory organ. So it tells us about how this animal, uh, how animals move about by looking at the morphology. So here we have a comparison of four pelvis. This is a modern human. This is Lucy's pelvis. This is Artie, and here is a chimpanzee pelvis. Now, there are major characters that distinguish it from the apes, 
and that are human-like include uh, a feature called anterior inferior iliac spine, which is present in bipedal animals and not in quadrupeds. Uh, another feature, which is called the greater sciatic notch, which is also present in bipeds and not quadrupeds. So these two characters seem to be shared by humans, afferences or Lucy, and Ardipithecus, some indications of its bipedality. But at the same time, it had a, a feature that's more like an ape, which is the position of what we call the uh, ischial tuberosity, which is more like an ape than it is like the humans. So she had a mosaic of features that sample derived hominids and also, and also apes. But you look at the foot, I don't have to get into this uh, in detail because Dr. White has already mentioned about it, but it's really interesting that it had an opposable toe. It's really ape-like foot, and uh, it had curved phalanges. The fingers were really curved, and uh, the grasping big toe, and it didn't have any arch. Obviously, she wouldn't have been part of the army with that foot. So we have this uh, primitive ape-like characters. So what is she? Obviously, she, we, there is evidence that she was able to walk on two legs on the ground, but not in the way that we do it today. So there, she, had, she was a facultative biped who was able to walk on two legs on the ground, but also able to climb up on trees. But because of her and what we know from her, a number of hypotheses that existed before were tested. And let me tell you some of these hypotheses. One of them is what's called the savanna hypothesis for bipedality. The other one is that we evolved from a, from a knuckle walker ancestor that we shared with chimpanzees. And another one has to do with chimpanzees being good models to reconstruct the common ancestor we shared with them. Now, what we learned from Ardi is that she was not living in open savanna environment. She was living in a more woodland, uh, forested habitat. So that savanna hypothesis was falsified. Of course, that was falsified with other evidence too. Did we evolve from a knuckle walker? No, she doesn't show any sign of knuckle walking on her hands. That gets falsified. And the other one is, obviously, chimpanzees cannot be good models for the common ancestor we shared with, 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 with them. Because think about this. Chimpanzees have been evolving so much since they split from the common ancestor they shared with us. It's really interesting to see that our distant cousin, gorilla, in some cases share character with humans than chimpanzees do. So that tells you how much chimpanzees have evolved. So using chimpanzees as model is really wrong. So that was also falsified. So in general, when you look at what's come up since Ardi, it, it, it looks like it causes a major paradigm shift in terms of how and where we should look for the model for the common ancestor that we shared with chimpanzees. And not only that, it also cautions as to how we define the family itself, the family hominidae. Are the two characters that I showed you earlier enough to define the family hominidae? Maybe not. So when it was published, it was recognized as a major scientific breakthrough, at least in human evolutionary studies, and that is really uh, true. So that's what I have about Ardi. But slightly younger, um, earliest hominids would include uh, species like Australopithecus anamensis, which is also known from Ethiopia, 
largely known from Kenya, from deposits dated to between 3.9 and 4.2 million years ago. But we also have anamensis remains from the Middle Awash, from localities where Ardipithecus ramidus was found. And our Australopithecus anamensis in the Middle Awash was found from slightly younger horizons at the same localities. So that might strengthen the hypothesis of Ardipithecus ramidus being the ancestor of Australopithecus anamensis, which is um, more likely as, as we know it right now. <clears throat> the other one, uh, the other species, younger but still earliest hominid, is the species which includes the famous Lucy, Australopithecus afarensis. Now this is one of the species, early hominid species, that is well known because we've known Australopithecus afarensis since the 1970s. And there are hundreds of fossil remains of Australopithecus afarensis, mostly from Ethiopia, but also known from Kenya and Tanzania. So we have a wealth of information about Australopithecus afarensis than any of the other uh, taxa, early hominid taxa. Now, Partial skeletons are really rare in the fossil record. There are probably five or six partial skeletons in the entire human evolutionary fossil record. And it happens that we have most of them belonging to the species Australopithecus afarensis. Lucy is the first one, which was found in 1974. And then uh, in 2003, um, an Ethiopian paleoanthropologist, Arisan Alam Seged, announced the discovery of uh, a partial skeleton of a child of Australopithecus afarensis, which he nicknamed Salam. And recently, uh, as Dr. White mentioned, we announced um, another partial skeleton of the same species, nicknamed Kadanumu. And um, this partial skeleton is dated to about 3.6 million years old. And it's about 400,000 years older than Lucy. Now, what's really interesting is that we, do, we still have gaps in the fossil record, as Dr. White mentioned. And what Kadanumu and all the other specimens that we're finding from this new site called Oranzo Mille is that they're filling some of these gaps that exist between Australopithecus anamensis and Lucy's species Australopithecus afarensis. So what that means is that we can actually see how these two taxa are related to each other by filling the gap in the fossil record right here. Right now, a lot of people agree that Australopithecus anamensis is the direct ancestor of Australopithecus afarensis or Lucy species. And that hypothesis would be better tested if we could actually fill this gap in the fossil record right here. But what we're finding here already shows that the hypothesis of ancestor-descendant relationship between these two taxa cannot be falsified but it challenges the idea of actually recognizing two different taxonomic names, probably for a single phyletically evolving lineage. So the suggestion right now, at least as far as I'm, I'm concerned, is that Australopithecus anamensis and Australopithecus afarensis are two ends of the same phyletically evolving lineage. And I'm suggesting that we should probably use just afarensis to include everything from 4.2 to 3 million years. But of course, some people have issues with that. But that's what I have, and uh, I, could, I could talk about Australopithecus afarensis and anamensis for probably another hour, but that will be a subject of another lecture, and I'll stop here. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Dr. Haile Selassie, for a wonderful presentation, bringing us back to anatomy and letting all of you students know that if you want to study human evolution, you're going to have to learn your dental and postcranial anatomy. Last year, many of you know, was the 200th anniversary of Darwin's birthday. And wouldn't it be amazing if Darwin were here today to see the amazing evidence that people like Johannes Haile Selassie have been finding in the Ethiopian desert to show how we evolved. This evidence is overwhelming at this point. We're learning more and more as the gaps are closing. And one of the gaps in the geography of this part of Ethiopia is between the Lucy site and the Ardi site. And you might be wondering, what's going on there? Well, you're going to find out now from Dr. Seleshi Samal of Indiana University, who runs a project known as the Gona Project. You know about the Lucy Project and the Ardi Project. You probably haven't heard as much about the Gona Project. Seleshi is the only archaeologist in today's symposium, but he's been forbidden to talk, at least talk very much, about archaeology, because stone tools, material culture, don't start until about 2.7 million years ago. And Dr. Samal is the scientist who demonstrated that and found the world's oldest stone tools. It turns out, though, that those stone tools are about halfway through a sequence in the Gona study area that goes from quite young deposits to very, very old deposits of the same age that Johannes was speaking. So Seleshi is going to take us through that wonderful new succession. This is really exciting research, and we're all privileged to have him here. Dr. Seleshi Zamal. Thank you very much, uh, team, for uh, the clear introduction. Uh, all my colleagues have seen me uh, always talk about uh, the oldest stone tools uh, from Ghana, which I really uh, love to talk about, and uh, I'm not going to talk about those uh, today. Today, I would like to uh, talk about uh, the earliest hominids, uh, which is uh, the theme of uh, the conference here. Um, Professor Michel Brunet did mention uh, two sites in East Africa uh, that are uh, late Miocene. Uh, there are only two. Uh, Gona is also, has also late Miocene hominids, and uh, it's uh, a sand site in East Africa uh, with late Miocene uh, hominids. Uh, the oldest stone tools were found prior to 1999. And in 1999, uh, the Gona project started uh, as a large multidisciplinary uh, uh, study, and uh, we moved uh, from the younger deposits uh, to the uh, older deposits, and we did find uh, two uh, major uh, hominid discoveries in uh, the older deposits in the late Miocene, uh, dated to uh, more than f uh, five and a half million years ago, uh, and Ardipithecus ramidus, uh, originally found in the Middle Awash study area, uh, and then also at Gona uh, in deposits dated uh, between four and a half to 4.3 million years ago. Uh, 
the Gona study area uh, is located uh, north of uh, the Middle Awash uh, study area where uh, a large number of Ardipithecus uh, ramidus uh, fossils uh, and also Kadaba uh, were found. Uh, west of the famous uh, site of Lucy uh, Hadar uh, and south of uh, Waranso Mille, uh, where Dr. Hale, uh, Johannes Heilesenlase uh, works. Uh, this is the Gona Paleoanthropology uh, study uh, area. Uh, on the, the oldest stone tool localities are uh, right here uh, on the eastern uh, part of the study area. After 1999, uh, after I finished my dissertation work with the oldest stone tools, we started surveying uh, west uh, and uh, south southwest. The deposits down here are much younger. Uh, they go to the later part of the Pleistocene. Uh, as you go up here uh, and uh, west, uh, the deposits uh, have been uplifted, and we have uh, four and a half million year old soil formations uh, about here, uh, where we find we, where we have Ardipithecus ramidus. And then, as we move uh, further west, uh, we have even older deposits going back to six million years ago, where we have just a few uh, dentition uh, attributed to Ardipithecus uh, tadaba. Uh, the GWM labels are for the Gona Western margin uh, sites uh, where we have uh, Ardipithecus ramidus, four and a half to 4.3 million years. Uh, and ESC means escarpment uh, for the Ardipithecus tadaba sites, for the older sites. Uh, just to uh, give you a feel uh, of what these sites uh, look like, I have a, a red arrow uh, to show there are a bunch of people doing survey in there. It's a very huge area, uh, but unfortunately, uh, I'm sure it is the same uh, in the Middle Awash study area uh, where uh, they uh, survey and uh, search for Ardipithecus cadaver. Uh, this area is covered uh, with vegetation. So, uh, you can, as you can see here, just uh, a close-up. So you'll be lucky to find exposures uh, that are fossiliferous uh, where you can find uh, hominids and uh, fauna. Um, some areas are like this one. Uh, just a little bit of sparse uh, vegetation, uh, but a lot of uh, fauna you can see, um, uh, project members, uh, doing survey. Um, the area is covered also with gravels and cobbles and uh, fossils. Uh, they don't have really uh, much time to survive in this kind of uh, situation. So uh, to be there right time, uh, we'll be really lucky. Um, this small spot is just uh, one of the isolated uh, tees uh, attributed to Ardipithecus Kadaba uh, found uh, uh, in this area. And when we find fossils, uh, we collect all the gravels and cobbles. Uh, we uh, crawl shoulder to shoulder and pick every uh, fossil bone uh, to be later investigated to make sure that we are not missing uh, any fossil bones because uh, as you go further back in time going to uh, deposits that are older than five million years ago, 
pretty much what uh, you find are just dentition, uh, as shown by uh, Dr. Alessandro Lasse. There are just bits and pieces of uh, the post-crania, the fossils below the neck found from this time period. And in those regards, Professor Michel Brule is lucky to find Tumai in deposits that are close to 7 million years ago. And all combined, these are uh, the uh, uh, fossil dentition that we found uh, from Gona, uh, which are dated uh, somewhere between 5.8 to uh, 5.2 million years ago. Uh, conservatively, I would say about five and a half million years. Just uh, the uh, first specimens from the middle Awash, which uh, Dr. Haile Selassie just talked about, uh, I just put them here to, uh, for, for comparison. We have more or less the same specimens uh, in terms of dentition. Uh, how do we know how old they are? Um, there are soil formations uh, right above uh, stratigraphically above the areas uh, where we found uh, these uh, tears. And one of the areas called Balewa, uh, we have a complex uh, of uh, tafasius exposures in, in that area dated to uh, about 5.4 million years. So that's uh, a minimum age for the fossils uh, we have from uh, the Gona study area. And another site called uh, Bordelle, where we have uh, uh, fossil teas attributed to uh, Kadaba, a tough, a toughish exposure found below this Sifi tough is dated to six and a half million years. Uh, we don't have fossils that go all the way to six and a half, uh, but uh, the oldest we believe could be somewhere around 5.7. Uh, 5.6, but conservatively, I would say five and a half million years. Uh, this is a Bordelli close-up of the tuff that was dated to 6.48, and even closer uh, look down here. And uh, we have uh, more than half a dozen uh, volcanic ashes that were dated in the uh, entire sequence going from something dated about 5.2 all the way down to 6.48 uh, uh, from Bordelli. All right. Um, th th this is about it uh, for the late Miocene uh, discoveries that uh, we made uh, at Gona. Uh, the western margin from the Middle Awash also extends north into the Gona study area, and we also have uh, fossil hominids assigned to Ardipithecus ramidus uh, at Gona. Uh, and this is the first area we did survey in 1999. And just the first day uh, from camp, it, it took us almost half a day to drive to this area. And you are, you are going up. The deposits as you go up, because of the uplifting, uh, are much older than where we do archaeology, which is my specialty. So the first day we get there, we found uh, this mandible, and it was found by uh, the great fossil, fossil finder at Gona, uh, Afar, uh, an Afar named uh, Asa Ahmed. Uh, and we continued in 2000-2001, uh, and we started finding uh, more 
usually uh, dentition. And there is a, a, a lot of uh, work involved, sieving and uh, building dam uh, to keep the fossils from eroding and getting lost you know, when we come uh, next year. Uh, and all in all, by about 2000 for 2005, uh, we had uh, these fossils, uh, including the one we found uh, in 1999, uh, and also uh, phalanges, toe bones, uh, which show uh, bipedality, uh, also from Gona. Uh, and the dating uh, below uh, where we uh, found uh, Ardipithecus. Ramidas fossils at Gona, we have a fossil, a, a volcanic ash dated to 4.47, a maximum age uh, for the Gona Ardipithecus Ramidas, about 4.5. It's a close up of the dated tuff right here. Uh, we don't have good minimum age, but based on uh, paleomagnetic profiles, the minimum age for the Gona. Ardipithecus ramidus is 4.3. Uh, we have two volcanic ashes dated to 4.5, uh, close to 4.5. Uh, and so uh, the Gona Ardipithecus ramidus are dated uh, between 4.3 to 4.5 uh, million years. And Gona is the only other site uh, that has uh, both Ardipithecus ramidus cadaba uh, and Ardipithecus ramidus uh, ramidus. And this was published in 2005 in Nature. And we did continue after 2005. This is one very important uh, Ardipithecus ramidus site. Uh, we did find a complete uh, upper jaw from this area, uh, which is awaiting uh, publication. Uh, again, the, it was found by uh, Asahamad. Uh, this is. Uh, Busidima River, and the site is located just behind the hill here. Uh, just early in the morning, 8.30, he found uh, this molar. He showed it to me. Uh, we stopped the car. We walked in there. And this is the site. Uh, we found a lot of uh, uh, associated uh, molars, uh, which we will be publishing uh, very soon. So, in conclusion, outside of the Middle Awash, uh, Gona is the only other site uh, where we have the earliest hominids, uh, including Ardipithecus cadaba, uh, about five and a half million years or older, uh, and Ardipithecus uh, ramidus between uh, 4.5, 4.3 million years ago. And I will be talking a little bit about the uh, oldest stone tools in the public uh, talk tomorrow, not today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dr. Seleshi. For those of us who've been working in this field for some time, this is illuminating a period of time that we had no data from. It was a complete black hole until just 10, 15 years ago. And it's due to the hard work of people like Seleshi and his crew that were really gaining knowledge into the biology of what these hominids were like before three and a half million years ago. We can learn a lot more for them, from them if we squeeze them hard. So please come back where you'll learn about their teeth 
and their heads and their hands. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.